Light beer, dark money. Agree on something. Politics, culture, and the intersection of faith, freedom, and free enterprise. And now, here are your hosts, Light Beer, Chris Clements, and Dark Money, Sean Noble. It is Light Beer, Dark Money. I'm Sean Noble. And I'm Chris Clements, and good New Year to you. Good New Year. Good New Year to you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Medi New Year, as Eddie Murphy said in the classic (laughs) Trading Places. Which, for some reason, I use every year. Well, it's a, well to, to, to much great reaction. I'm sure. Merry New Year. It's oh, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. No, it's a great movie. It is. Um, it's, it's both a Christmas movie and a New Year's movie all in one. Yeah. Compasses everything. Great comedy. Yeah. So what's going on in the world? Do we know? know. I, well, Do we know what's happening? It, you know, here it is. What, what day is it? Well, it is January 6th. It is we, January uh, 6th. As we record this today. <clears throat> and uh, A solemn, solemn time. Solemn time. In our nation's history. Well. Which it was. It, it was it, a crazy, crazy day insane. a year ago. It was insane. Um, and I don't know that we're going to get a sense of all the truth behind uh, January 6th. Uh, Trump and... Some of his loyalists are not cooperating with the uh, select committee, which I don't know whether they're going to get to anything that's that we don't already know. I mean, maybe they will, but, you know, Trump incited a bunch of people to march on the Capitol. Did he encourage them to break in and be violent? Yeah, I think that's a question. I mean, I, I, there's no question that he was bombastic in his rhetoric. Sure. And people interpret things however they want. Um, were there likely some uh, interlopers that were kind of goosing it a little bit? Uh, was, it, was it Dave Eppers, Bill Eppers? What's the name of the FBI informant that... Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a legitimate question as to, you know, was there uh, these black ops guys that, that were egging it on? Just as we know, there have been federal agents that have egged on Antifa riots. So, you know, it, the, the problem is that all of the stuff surrounding it only leads to more confusion and people trying to justify different things. The bottom line in my mind was this was completely inappropriate. Uh, if if anyone believed that there was a legitimate way to overturn the election, then they had been lied to because absolutely. there was no legitimate way. No, I, I, absolutely. And, 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 you know, full stop. Yeah, absolutely. And so many things, I think, led up to that moment that were missteps or miscalculations by Donald Trump. And I, I, I kind of thought about this this morning. I was watching a lot of the, the newscasts and watching all the, all the events on online. And, and I, for some reason, I just, I, I went back to the summer of 2020 when we had BLM and Antifa riots ravaging this country and people had different reactions to that, but it was, but the destruction of private property and, 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 the destruction of lives, personal lives, including some people viciously murdered, um, just increase the level of tension in, in our total society. And I don't believe Donald Trump or his administration gets enough blame. I'm going to go out on a limb on this one, but gets enough blame for, for prosecuting those riots. And I think that, along with not seeing the election shenanigans happening that summer with changes in election law happening in different states and not pursuing legally pursuing um, some either changes or, or, or challenging those election changes from, from the campaign's standpoint. Right. You know, once, once an election is decided, it's hard to then challenge those laws. You can't really challenge those laws, which they tried to do 
after the election. And so there, there were so many missteps, I think, strategically. And I think if there had been a stronger response that summer in many ways, um, things might have been different. And then, and then the miscalculations afterwards with, uh, with Donald Trump doubling down on, on his, his claims that the election was stolen. And then, by the way, in Georgia, your vote doesn't count, so don't show up for yeah. the election. And then it, it, it turns the Georgia Senate vote the day before January 6th over to the Democrats. Right. So it's just this continued heightened, I think, just missteps, both in rhetoric and, and strategy. And then I think most, most glaringly, the, the throwing under the bus of, I think, three individuals who, who fell on their sword for him time and time again. One, of course, is Mike Pence, right. who saved the republic that day and, and, and did his duty. Amid chance of hang Mike Pence. Yeah, amid the, chance, uh, chances of hang, hang Mike, Mike Pence echoing through the not Capitol. Not by liberals. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, think, uh, I think Attorney General Barr, by him resigning at the end of December... <laughs> was a clear uh, middle finger to, to Donald Trump. Like, I'm not going to be part of this, you know, this scheme. And then Mike Pompeo also uh, fell on his sword several times. And the sad thing about it overall, I think, and, and I've said this before on the podcast, like I am not a never Trumper. <laughs> I am not a forever Trumper. I've, but I am a pro Pencer. I think Mike Pence has uh, an extraordinarily, extraordinary amount of integrity. And he, and he showed that that day. But what all this has done really is tarnish, in terms of policy, some of the good things that happened. No question. Through the, through the very tumultuous four years. One being Israel and the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital. Two, the challenging of NATO and, and making sure NATO members pay their fair share into in, in the alliance. One is the challenging of China. The other is the challenging of North Korea. Lastly, I mean, not even lastly, judges and the amount of, uh, of conservative judges we were able to place on uh, the federal courts. And the most important thing that we are debating about even this month with Build Back Broke is tax policy, right? which was monumental in terms of getting our economy moving. And those were good things. Those were things you and I supported, yep. and yet they were completely tarnished by tarnished, this lack squandered, of squandered. I mean, say whatever, whatever yeah. you want to, you know, label it. But I mean, it, it, it is remarkable to me that um, I think you're exactly right that the time to to litigate the election process was prior to the election. It was that summer, for sure. Um, you know, when we were in COVID, and there were, you know lawsuits that said, oh, well, we should have mail-in balloting because of COVID. We should have, in states that had not done that historically. Yeah. I, you know, they, they should have had, there should have been more challenges, more discussion ahead of the election. Uh, because for one thing, that would have given people a little bit more of an insight as to, okay, so what are the things that are going on? Instead, people were like, oh my gosh, this election was just stolen. And because there was not any true knowledge about what the process was. The big lie was able to be per perpetrated, seeped into, you know, a lot of the Republican base. It's still there, yeah. which is, you know, un unbelievable to me. Um, but, but, and, but there's not that perspective of everything that led up to the the inactions that led up to the election. Now, now you can't ex excuse away, you know, Mark Zuckerberg spending four hundred and twenty one what billion? Is that is it a B? No, I think it's four hundred twenty one. Four hundred twenty one million dollars to try to to try to sway elections in different districts. You can't um, you can't dismiss you know big tech uh, silencing and and and. Uh, uh, you know, censoring different conservatives. I mean, those are all real things that continue yeah. to happen that, well, that I mean, are wrong. I, I think there are there there are a, a legitimate number of issues that you know the Hunter Biden story would that have changed the election? Maybe, maybe that, I don't know. You know, I think it's a stretch. But, I think but, people who knew about Hunter Biden knew about Hunter Biden. Yeah, but and here's they were the and here's it. the thing though that I that I always go back to, and that is. Trump won 
a record number of votes for a Republican. Okay. Biden happened to get more. Um, in Arizona, which was a pivotal state, Trump lost by, what was it, 11, 10,000, 10, 11,000 yeah, votes? It was minuscule. In the typical elections, presidential elections, going back prior to 2016, going back to 19, I think I went back to 1952, um, was that right? 50, 60, 54. Um, no, 56. Yeah, 52. So I went back to 1952. In Arizona, there are typically a few thousand people ranging from five to 12,000 people uh, in Arizona that in a presidential election year will cast a ballot and will leave the presidential line blank. I find that bizarre, Um, but it's historically, it's been the case every four years, there are thousands of ballots that people cast that have no mark for president. In 2016, that number was not 10 or 15,000. It was 90,000. So incredible. that tells you that there were a bunch of people, probably mostly Republican leaning. They were like, no way I'm going to vote for Hillary, but there's no way I'm going to vote for Trump. So I'm just leaving it blank. Yeah. Now, my belief was that if Trump could get those people to come back, you know, judges, those policies, you know, those kinds of things that that would have an impact and it. And that's why I believed he was going to win Arizona. Cause I thought he could get those people back. Turns out he got some of them back. Sure. Cause he did get more votes than before, but he still, there were still 60,000 people in 2020 that did not vote for president. That's amazing. Which is incredible. Yeah, 60, 000. that's amazing. And you have access to this data and you, 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 you look over, you know, that's, that's what you do. And, that's an amazing statistic. I did not know that. Well, and, and, and so when people say, oh, this election, no, Trump didn't win the election because he couldn't convince enough of the 90,000 who cast no vote for president in 2016 to come back, come home and vote for him. And, you know, those are people who the, the character is an issue. So what you're saying is, which is really an interesting take is that it wasn't? It wasn't so much Biden won. It wasn't so much Trump won. It was, it was. It was that a number of people just did not cast a ballot for they, president. Right. They they could not. They could not bring them bring themselves. They, they were to do they that. were primarily right leaning voters who would never vote for Hillary or never vote for Biden. But <clears throat> a bunch of them by twenty twenty just couldn't vote for Trump, and it you know whether it was his handling of COVID, whether it was just his general demeanor, which, you know, fact is, he's an asshole. And, <laughs> can we and, say that on the podcast? I guess we can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We tell the truth here. <laughs> <laughs> um, his demeanor is less than exemplary for a sitting president. Yes. that's For anybody. Is, for, for anybody, and that, that is correct. For a human being. <laughs> I don't know. It's so, so I, you know, yes, January 6th will go down in history as a, as a dark moment. And, um, and yet how we're addressing it, I think is, is not helpful. So you it's have, totally partisan, so you have all this partisan things happening on Capitol Hill today. You have a January 6th commission, which is completely partisan, made up of two Republicans who will not get reelected and, and, you know, violently anti-Trump. Which is which is fine if there was a balance, and it's and what they're trying to do is find some sort of orchestration from the White House, which led to, to the riots on the, on the Hill, and they're not finding it. What they're finding is Trump sitting in his, his you know in the Oval Office doing nothing, and they're saying, well, he should have done something. Well, yes, I think we can all agree yeah, on we that. We all agree on that. Yeah, he should have done something. Should have called off the dogs. But, but you know, he should have done something months before that. Right. There's a lot of things he should have done that he did not do. Well, and it's it's and that's the point I'm making is that right. Hey, the, the, the seeds of this began, you know, six months before. Right. It really did. And and his his failures mounted 
before the election even took place. And, and the ironic thing that we find ourselves in is that the majority of Democrats still believe that the 2016 election was stolen. That's right. And that the Russians helped Donald Trump, which has been completely debunked. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That's the great untold story, right? Is if you look at polling that's just come out recently. Yeah. More than 50% of Democrats believe that the election of 2016 was stolen from Hillary. More than 50% of Republicans believe that 2020 was stolen from Trump. And yet, yeah, so where do we go with that? This, yeah, I mean, it, this, this is the great divide. Um, so I think where we go is there has to be, I, I think that there will be uh, a number of places. Arizona is going to be one of them that's going to have some voter integrity type, legis- you know, initiatives. There'll be, you know, and the Democrats are saying this is democracy at risk. Um, but it is not a risk to democracy. To say to someone, if you mail in a ballot, we're going to require you to put your driver's license number on it or the last four digits of your social along with your signature to confirm that it's you. Um, or when you go to the go to the I mean, here in Arizona, when you go cast the vote vote in person, you are required to show an ID. So now there's an initiative out there that will say we're going to require an ID component when it comes to mailing in a ballot. Yeah. Well, that's completely reasonable. No. It, completely reasonable. It is completely reasonable. And what's, what's, I, you know, what's ironic about the January 6th situation is that, you know, Chucky Schumer is trying to now push H.R. 1, which is the Corrupt Politicians Act, in the Senate over the next several weeks, blow up the filibuster so that, to do away with voter ID laws, right. federalize our, our elections, and... Uh, and, and and take election integrity measures away from the states. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's questionable if that's even constitutional. Well, it's not. And it, but, but what they're hoping is that they can pass this, put it into law for the next election so that it somehow maybe it'll protect their majorities and then they can deal with it on the legal side in the aftermath. Um, now, it but, looks like as of today that they're not going to have the votes to blow up no. to blow up the Senate, and and it's so ironic after Mansion blew up, you know, Bill Back broke, and 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 Bernie Sanders and AOC and the rest of them are saying, how can one man stop legislationally? How can one man defy the will of the people and the will in the Senate? Well, that was the brilliance of the founders. Yeah, that actually one senator is just as powerful as the other ninety nine. And they can blow everything up if they want. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it, I mean, it is called the deliberative body for a reason. The founders knew that the House, which was election every two years, was going to be more susceptible to the, to the push and the pull. The whims of the, the people, yeah. was, I think, is what they um, called it. And that the passions, they would, they would be more inflamed by, the, by their own passions right. of, of the moment. And that senators every six years uh, would not be as uh, susceptible to you know, all that stuff that was going on, uh, you know, in the in in the the spin and whirl of uh, the the current debate. And so, you know, it is true that legislation goes to the Senate to die, which is what it that, should. That's, it it that's, should. That's I mean, what that's, the founders. That in- was the point. That's what they wanted yeah. because those passions for something like an HR one or, or there's plenty of other examples as well that are being led by purely political factions um, slows down or well, dies or dies altogether. Let's, let's the, fast forward to 2023. Okay. Let's assume that the Republicans take the house, which is a pretty, pretty Big assumption. I mean, not a big. It's a pretty easy assumption. It's, it's right? not a bold assumption. Not a bold at all. assumption. We just we just had announced a couple of days ago. Twenty five Democrats are retiring. Yeah, well, I think and, it's twenty seven. Twenty seven. I I thought I heard the. 25. So let's assume that the House, the Republicans take the House, but let's also assume, which is a possible assumption, that it remains a fifty fifty Senate. Okay, so do, but. It's a well. It's a fifty-fifty Senate, so the Democrats still have nominal control with the Vice President casting the tie-breaking vote. Sure. Do we think that Chuck Schumer 
or Dick Durbin or any of those folks, the, the harder left of the Senate Democrats, would blow up the filibuster with a Republican House? No. Hell no. <laughs> no. No. And, and these are individuals who have made very impassioned speeches on the Senate floor, you know, decrying any, any changes to Senate rules with regard to the filibuster as, as early as 2017. Well, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's, it's <laughs> we've said it on this program before. It's theater. <laughs> it's such theater because they know the, you know, there's so many other backbenchers like our own Senator Mark Kelly. Where is Mark Kelly? Where is Mark Kelly? Does anybody know? Has anybody seen Mark Kelly? He's in space, space, floating away into the ether. Um, Out there. Out there. Never, never land. (laughs) But, I mean, these these folks who are sitting, hiding in their offices, not taking a firm position on Bill Beckbroke, not taking a firm position on the filibuster, letting Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema and others take all the slings and arrows. And yet it, we have this, we have all this theater going on, especially today with Chuck Schumer saying that the state of our democracy is, is in peril if we don't pass, you know, the corrupt politicians act, as yeah, it's been I, called <clears throat> by members on, on the conservative side. The, uh, well, and, and, and what's interesting is that it's now, you know, with, with that becoming, with Build Back Better, Build Back Broke, being set aside because Manchin said he's not going to support it, and now the Senate Democrats putting uh, freedom to vote and the, the, the remnants of HR one, I think a yeah. lot of HR one is gone, but, um, but the ID portion is still in yeah, there. I mean, they want to ban national, any type of ID laws. Yeah. Um, so, but they want you to show your ID when, and, and your vaccination, vaccination card when, when card. you go to, to a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> the irony is no, it's, this, just, it's the hypocrisy. It's just it drives you nuts. Oh my gosh! We'll you need to, to show an ID in New York City. You were in New York I was City, in New York City and your vaccination card. ID to eat. with vaccination in order to to eat to do a but the most basic of all human things. <laughs> however, food. we will not allow anything like that to vote. Yeah, <clears throat> insane. Never. So the but as is reported, you know our own senator. Kirsten Cinema has said, made it clear that she's not a fan of blowing up the filibuster, even for voting rights. Um, well, and, and, that's, and that's what they were hoping for us to do a carve out. Yeah. And I think it was Manchin who said the other day, the problem with the carve out is you get the whole, tur- yeah. whole turkey. <laughs> whole turkey, right. And, and uh, you get the whole turkey, and that means there's so many unintended consequences, which we saw when, when Harry Reid. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. His you legacy. Know, change, change the filibuster rules with regard to judges, and that got you a 6-3 conservative majority on the, on the Supreme Court. That's right. It got you two, over 200 federal judgeships filled by conservatives. Thank you, Harry Reid. Yeah, that is Harry Reid's legacy. Yeah. I mean, he's turning in his grave realizing that. Yeah. But that's, that's his legacy. The, uh, and, and I, so Cinema, you know, rightfully says, look, guys, we blow this up. It's going to whip back on us the moment we lose power. Well, but also, you know, at, out of principle, I mean, and we, we touched on before in terms of what the founders intended with the Senate, it makes the Senate no different than the House. It makes yeah. the Senate just become an impassionate group of people who can do whatever they want based on whatever you know, political leanings there are. Right now, the political waves within the Democratic Party are the Bernie Sanders AOC wing, and they're pushing for a lot of this, and that's where the passions are right now. And, and it takes somebody like a, a Joe Manchin, a Kirsten Cinema, to say, you know, a thwart. No. Yeah. Well, and, it, would, it would be interesting if there was no AOC that was nipping at Schumer's heels as a possible... Uh, Senate primary. Do you think that's it. really what's happening? You think it's that? I mean, especially after she was seen down in Miami Beach with her Birkenstock wearing boyfriend sipping margaritas. Well, I mean, and ex- escaping the COVID everybody, nightmare. Everybody of deserves the ability to escape COVID. I mean, you know, that's why we have states that allow people to be free so that people in dictatorships can come and enjoy freedom 
Yeah, uh, Governor DeSantis said, if I had a you know a dollar for every you know congressman and governor who visited our state over the last two years to get away from the policies that they enacted in their own state, I'd be a rich man. Yeah, yeah, I would. Um, that's crazy. But we digress. Well, so watch what happens in the Senate. There will continue to be the. This month is going to be an interesting uh, month. It will be an interesting month because there's going to be a lot of, you know, browbeating of, of mansion and cinema. But but as pointed out in Town Hall today, which is something that you've been saying for months, it's not just Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin. You've got other senators who are egging them on saying, thank you, thank you, keep going, because we don't want to vote to blow up the filibuster either. I mean, yeah, I, I, I gotta believe I, I, Mark I, Kelly is one of them. Well, Mark Kelly really hasn't taken a bit. What Mark Kelly does is he takes a position after everything has been done. And then he says, oh, I was for that from the from the beginning. That's sort of his tactic. And I've seen it on his Twitter feed and just some of the statements that he makes. Once once there's there's enough of conventional wisdom going in a specific direction, he'll 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 do something. But otherwise, he has no original thought. Um, so you have a, you have a Mark Kelly, you have a Mark Warner, who's a very seasoned senator from Virginia. You have t- probably Tim Kaine from Virginia, probably vote both Virginia senators who don't want to do that. Right. I, I would bet when it comes to the filibuster in terms of members of the Senate who've been there long enough, I, I bet there's a majority who don't want to do it because they've, they've seen they've seen what happens. So you think there are 26 you know, Senate well, Democrats. Uh, uh, well, I, it's that's well, possible. I mean, it's possible, and I, I I just have this feeling if you're you've been there long enough, and you've seen the ebbs and flows of the Senate, and and also you, it is a place where there is comedy. There, there there's meaning. There's friendships and deep seated friendships across the aisle, and they get together, they talk, they 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 discuss these things, and blowing up the Senate like that blows up that that club. Yeah, it, it becomes a very, very different place, and a big, and I think to Kirsten's point, it becomes a very dark place, where where these passions are then realized, and then we become nothing but a but a, you know, a hundred person House of Representatives. Yeah, it it does make the House or the Senate look more like the House, which is not what the intention of the founders was. No. It's not what we want as a country. Um, there needs to be a a break, as in a. You know, a stop, a stop on yeah, a stop gap on the craziness. So let's move to so let's watch what happens. Yeah, but we got to talk about COVID. I, I we hit this a lot, but <laughs> oh my gosh, um, there's just so I just want it to much. go away. Well, it's not going to go away, and I that's know. the thing that people have to understand that this we're not going to eradicate it. I mean, maybe eventually, and maybe Omicron will Boom. help Omicron. So, you know, we have been saying, we, we've said before, Omicron, all the, the, the wailing and gnashing of teeth, turns out definitely more transmissible, definitely less serious. Um, you know, there's some saying this could be the end. Finally, everyone's going to get it. I mean, it's remarkable to me how many people I know are now getting COVID sure. that hadn't before. Um but it's, you know, it's just not that serious. It's well. It's one thing that is bizarre is how many people who are vax, triple vax, quadruple vax, whatever else, have not had COVID are still getting at very you know light symptoms, what have you. But some are getting fairly sick, and it it just brings back the entire you know you know natural immunity debate. Mm-hmm. And if is it real or is it Memorex? I mean, is it is is your is your body, your T cells, your B cells, which are really what keeps what fights infection? Um, are, is is that the driving force of of our fight against against COVID? And is it because because now you're seeing everybody kind of change their tune about getting COVID? That maybe it's best if everybody got COVID, right? And because this is such a, a lighter variant, and if you get COVID, we can, we can get to herd immunity that much quicker. Um, we had a little debate in our household over the holidays about natural immunity and you know, and and vaccines and and, and different things. 
um, and and vulnerabilities. And I'm still a, a firm believer that that natural immunity is our best way out of this. And if you are vaccinated and get COVID, I mean, and it's slight and and you you plow right through it, more power to you. But it's still amazing to me that that natural immunity is is not being heralded and and spoken about in the way that it probably should. Well, and it's I mean, the, there's one reason for that, and there's no money in natural immunity. There's no money in natural immunity. Well, the drug companies can't make money. But you have a Pfizer, you have a, a Merck pill now, and a Pfizer pill that that. Apparently, the Biden administration is now embracing and saying well, yeah, we got to get these again, that, that are that are treatments. But if you say, if, but 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 if you say there's natural immunity, there's no reason for the pill. There's no reason for the vaccine. I mean, I look. I think the vaccine. This is one thing that I've I've been mystified as to why Trump didn't like herald the vaccine. Well, he seems to be constantly. Now. Well, it's a little late. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a it was a remarkable. Scientific feat, no question. Now, do we know everything we should about it? Uh, know about it? Absolutely not. Um, has it saved lives? Definitely. Has it cost lives? Probably. Yeah. I mean, you, the the idea that you have, you know, healthy young men, and by young I mean teenage, late teens, early twenties, taking a vaccine. When there's there's they have no underlying issues, it's just that's just a, a stupid risk because there's no risk from COVID. Sure, I mean it's just essentially zero um, if you're healthy and not obese. And so, so the, we we have all these you know the, the I mean the thing that is a little bit maddening for me is that you have a vaccine that was that came fast, miraculous, great. They're immune, legally immune. The, the vaccine makers, the drug makers, have immunity from any legal recourse yeah. of the vaccine. Uh, and, and so there's no incentive for them to be you know, clear about what the risks are. I mean, you, you watch a drug commercial on TV. It's a 45-second commercial. 15 seconds is about the drug and 30 seconds is about all the side effects yeah. that are possible that they do because they they don't want to be held liable. Well, and that, and that's because this, th- those drugs have gone through rigorous study over several years yeah. before they brought, they're brought to the public. I mean, and, and those side effects are documented right amongst a, a broader scope of the populace, but you and, don't, and, you don't have to do that for COVID vaccines because there's no legal risk. Yeah. Well, I think that raises a question, and and it's certainly and the, an ethical the conspiracy, question. The conspiracy of the public health advocacy arm, and I don't say I don't. I, and I'm, there's public scientists, or there's the health scientist, and there's the public. I I have concluded that Fauci is not a scientist; he's an advocate. He's a politician. Because been, and when you've been there that long, you become a politician. If and you really and there's money in it for yeah. Him. If you really follow science, science is messy. It changes all the time. There's no black and white. Everything is probability, and that just doesn't. You know, that's not an easy thing for politicians to be able to, yeah. to message. Um, I will. I, I will highly recommend that people have any questions about. So this is. So there's obviously a lot of people that are. Uh, you know, if you listen to Joe Rogan, he's had some people on that are really on the what would be considered the fringe of uh, anti-vaccine or at least vaccine question, you know, vaccine cautious. But there is a excellent podcast on Peter Atia's uh, Drive podcast with a couple of doctors where they just are very straightforward about this is opinion this is fact this is what we think this is what we know and it is it is extremely illuminating um and very frustrating because it is clear that the mishandling of this thing from the beginning is awful and and the thing that's crazy is that the biden administration i mean in some ways biden won 
because of how badly Trump handled it. And, it, and maybe it's not how badly he handled it, how badly he messaged on it, right? Because a lot of stuff that Trump was saying that turns out to be true was used against him because he just didn't know how to say it in yeah. a reasonable way. I mean, you don't drink bleach. But, in fact, if you take chlorine and you do a nasal wash early on, I, anyway, the, the point is that the Biden administration has done just as much damage to the American people as what Trump did when he was president, whether it is in unnecessary deaths from COVID uh, because of various policies and the lack of, of you know, the, the, the universal effort to push back against any kind of uh, treatments of COVID, um, or if it's the lockdowns and the mask mandates and the things that are creating a mental health crisis, well, you know, well, all of these things. Early on in the Biden administration, we passed this huge COVID relief bill, and part of, part of what was in that bill was, was money for more testing. And yet we're 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 hitting this Omicron var- variant, excuse me, and uh, there's not enough home testing kits available, and that was part of that plan, and it was never executed. Um, you, you mentioned the treatments, uh, the Pfizer treatment, the Merck treatment; those have been ready for six, eight months, and not enough has been not well, enough effort has been that, getting but- those to the marketplace. Where oh, I got COVID, and within two or three days, if I take this pill, oh, by the way, I, I'm much better. But but or but- even alternative alternative treatments like z and and other things that actually help you get through COVID yeah, I mean, because it's an infection. There's a, Iver- there's a bunch yeah. of different things that, that are helpful and, yeah. and shorten it and make it less severe. And had we put, you know, had, had there been more direction and more research quickly, done quickly on this, I mean, thank goodness that, Doctors figured out fairly early. Well, a lot of doctors ventil- have figured things out very, very early, but they've been silenced. They don't want to oh, say yeah. they don't want to say anything um, because they could they 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 could get ostracized and they could they could lose their practice. And I know some of those doctors. Yeah. And th- so when you when you have COVID and you're 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 diagnosed with COVID and you're feeling horribly, and if you call your doctor, and I won't even say who I called, but, and he says, have you, can I call you in a Z-Pack? You're like, what? Yeah. Z-Pack. Are you taking your Mucinex? Yeah. Okay. I'll call you in that Z-Pack. And in three days it's gone. Yeah. Well, and what I was about to say was that thank goodness doctors early on figured out that the ventilators were actually more likely to kill you than save you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, and that just turning people over on their stomach I mean, there was so much that we learned so quickly, and unfortunately, people died as a result of, you know, faulty reasoning early. But, you know, we got some of that figured out. Well, why didn't we take the next step and say, okay, well, we, can, we know how to deal with trying to prevent them from dying in the hospital, from ventilators or whatever. Let's try to prevent them from getting to the hospital. The moment that symptoms come on, let's get them on a regime, Yeah, you know. So yeah, let's make sure that we have in, in, in the public domain, all the different things you can do if you get COVID to get over it quickly. And which was known one way to get over it quickly is to be healthy. And so, well, and and, and that discussion is only now happening Mm -hmm. in the, in the public sphere about um, the vast majority of people who are adversely affected by COVID are, Mm -hmm. and, and you've made this point many, many, many times is people who are overweight, you know, have heart conditions, you know, and, and these comorbidities that, that, that exacerbate any type of treatment. Right. And actually, um, and there's now new studies coming out about uh, the people who get COVID again, and it is very rare, but it's the people who have these, these illnesses. Yeah. They're, they're in their 70s and 80s. They have these comorbidities, and, and they're susceptible to getting it again, right. more, more so than people who are younger. And, Definitely uh, more so. And, and healthy. And yet there, we have not had a comprehensive discussion in this country about health 
No. About, no. <laughs> and, and, and we had governors across the state, including our fair governor, shut down gyms. <laughs> shut down gyms. Now, which was crazy. Yes. Now, I, it's so I'm watching. Uh, oh, and get sued for shutting them yeah, down, by the way, yeah. too. Um, I'm watching Morning Show on Apple with Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon. And I'm, I'm familiar the, with the show, but I've not watched I'm it. I'm at the point in the show where the COVID is just now kind of breaking through in the United States. And it, it's interesting because I, I forget, I, I've forgotten a little bit about where we all were mentally. When that was, I mean, it was kind of like confusion, fear. So do I think that it was handled poorly from the beginning? Yes. Do I think that there was a lot of things that were done that didn't make sense in hindsight? Yes. But at the time it was like, Oh my gosh, we don't know. You know, let's wash our hands for 20 seconds. Let's sterilize everything. I mean, there's just a lot of things we didn't know at the time that we know now. And that's the thing that drives me the craziest is that the stuff that we know now, two years into this, and we're still doing stuff as if we're just well, learning I mean, about it. Yeah, like in Chicago, the the teachers union is shutting down the schools. Well, and and, and so and so finally, you have a, a lead editorial in the New York Times questioning this idea that well, maybe maybe COVID policy has been too skewed towards you know the comfort of adults rather than you know the mental, physical, emotional help of our children. And and I have given not so much on the podcast but i have been very critical of Lori lightfoot the mayor of chicago oh my uh i think she's had some real challenges the the crime rate etc but i mean her taking a stand against the union saying kids need to be in classrooms period is a breath of fresh air well i mean this coming is actually from a democrat mayor but, but but it's coming actually from the administration you got to give them props finally for for putting their foot down or, or saying what we've known for a long time is that, okay, enough. Kids need to be in school, period. They need face-to-face interaction. We have a mental health crisis going on with our kids. We have a suicide crisis going on with our kids. We have a drug overdose crisis going on with our kids, and that is due to our COVID policies. We need to stop this now and get kids back in school. And kudos I will, you know, to our governor for standing up and saying, Listen, if you have a, a school that's closed, by the way, you, you as a parent is going to get money so you can go take them p- somewhere else. To take yep. them somewhere else. And and what does um, the the press do? They they fault them for it. Well, not e- only EJ Montini say- the other day had this horrible article about about Doug Ducey and what he was doing for the against the children. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. Yeah, me. Doug Ducey doesn't care about killing yeah, children. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's unbelievable. Give me a freaking break. I mean, he's the most irresponsible journalist we have in the state. He's not a journalist. Well, I mean, whatever Don't even he is, give him that. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry. <laughs> you got me all riled up about him. <laughs> well, there's some EJ good people, with, and there's some good people over there. EJ, the you're welcome to come on. We promise to be nice. Just ask Lori Roberts. We were very nice with. We Lori. were nice to Lori Roberts. You called you the Prince of Dark Money. I think it was Dark Money Maestro. Dark Money Maestro. Yeah. Yeah, I how's, mean, that, how's that going? Are you living up to your? Uh, I think so. Your, your moniker during I mean, it's January. It is January. It's twenty. It's an election year, <laughs> it so is it's going to get interesting. Year. There's no question about that. No, but I just thought his 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 opinion piece the other day was just so irresponsible. We need kids back in school, and uh, we 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 need to correct the wrongs of the policies that were made out of our but out of our own fears. And, yeah, and kids need to be in school. Well, and it's and it. They need that person-to-person interaction, and the teachers who are, like in Chicago, who are the teachers' unions who are balking against and shutting down the schools for the next four months. Um, I mean, they should be ashamed. Well, and it's it has the the good thing that'll come out of this is it'll expose the teachers' unions for what they are, and that is they don't give a shit about kids. <laughs> no, they never have. They 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 literally don't. They this is all about power. They we have video of their general counsel talking about it's not about kids. It's about power. I mean, in a conference that they did right before he retired a few years ago, uh, Randy Weingartner, head of the uh, American Federation of Teachers, you know, back last year saying we have to do everything possible to keep classrooms closed to protect the teachers. And then this year saying, oh, I never said that we should close school. It's like, come on. 
I mean, that, and it's because they're getting the backlash. And I, I suspect that, that membership in teachers unions are going to fall. Well, because I mean, you can make a real teachers that care about kids that are doing the job because that's what their passion is in life is to educate children. Recognize this is crazy. Well, you can make a concerted argument that that's why Glenn Youngkin is the no question governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia. No question. People like to say it's CRT. And no, it, this is about parents wanting their kids to be in classrooms, learning, and and the pushback of of teachers unions saying, oh, well, no. It, I mean, it, it just, I, I, I don't, I don't understand it. I just don't understand it. Yeah, we've gone from, what, 15 days to slow the spread to two years to really screw up our country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. flatten the curve. Uh, let's flatten the curve. I guess the teachers union, that meant just let's flatten our education curve. Well, right I mean, down and you, saw, you saw that early on, and they looked at it as an opportunity and, and never let a crisis go to waste, right? They looked at it an, an opportunity to consolidate power and to exert their um, curriculum like CRT and uh, other things online. And that's why you're seeing the backlash that you are because all of a sudden parents are at home and they're, they're watching what their kids are learning online or looking at it and saying, wait a second, this, this isn't right. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't, you shouldn't be learning this and what's going on. And now they're questioning, which is good. Yeah. No, I mean, there are so, there, there will be silver linings come out of this, this issue, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of chickens yet to come home to roost as a result of the policies that we've put in place in some places, you know, these school closures, the masks, these are things that, that are going to affect kids, a whole generation of kids. We have no idea what the true ramifications are yet, but it's not going to be pretty. No, I mean, you have uh, some of the latest estimates. I mean, kids are two, three years behind reading, math. They're coming back into school really struggling and, uh, and, and socially um, at a disadvantage. Well, and, there, and, and there's a study out that shows that kids dur- born during the pandemic, you know, are already – behind in their language development because of the masks. Yeah. You know, that, and, and that's something that, that Alyssa and I have, have worried about with Reagan, who's almost three, and Vincent, who is coming up on eight months. I mean, we try to be in places as much as possible where masks are not required so that they get the full experience sure. of their development, right? I mean, well, just, and, and the sad thing now, I mean, oh, now they're saying because of Omicron, oh, cloth masks, they might not be as protective as we, you think? we, we thought. <laughs> no, they don't protect at all. No masks other than an N95. And, and you're not going to make everybody wear an N95 mask, which is a surgical, it's beyond a surgical Bonds, mask. Yeah, it's, and uh, it's, it's literally, it's called a respirator. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you put it on and you wear it right, it's you, hard to breathe. You can't breathe very well. And that that's not, not nothing we want for our kids yeah. either. Well, what haven't we covered? I don't know. I think we've covered enough. <laughs> so fed up. So it's, fed up with this COVID stuff. It's, it's, it's crazy, but hopefully, and, and you don't, you know, hope is not a business strategy. It's not a personal strategy, but, but with, with the advent of, Omicron, you know, natural immunity, herd immunity will be with us quicker. And yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, those that are healthy should get it, have the natural immunity that comes from it, because they, they sure. show that there is cross immunity. You know, if you get Delta, you're immune to Omicron. If you got Omicron, you're immune to Delta, sure. you know, whatever. So, yeah. So we had Alpha. We had the, the, the granddaddy. Yeah. Which is basically what it is now. Uh, yeah, I did. So, so hopefully those those T cells and B cells keep cranking. Yeah. And they keep cranking because, I mean, we, we take our health very seriously, right. too. And that's, yeah. that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that I hope we get out coming out of this is, is people have a resurgent of a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, that would, that would be a good thing. We need to cut obesity rates in this country significantly. Well, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't ask for a more destructive virus to attack 
the, one of the greatest weaknesses in our country, yeah. and that's our health. Right. I mean, over 600,000 people die of heart disease every year. <laughs> that's before COVID. Right. And now you plop COVID on top of that as an infecting agent, and, and you know, they're saying, oh, 800,000 people in 2021 died of COVID. Well, that's a, I think that's it's a eight hundred thousand total. Yeah, yeah, that's a misleading. That's a misleading number because you've got you've got heart disease, you've got all these other well, and other factors because into it that number. It doesn't distinguish with COVID or from COVID. Yes, it doesn't. Um, I'm guessing that if it's ever done, and I I highly doubt it ever well, will be. Doctor Faustus is now trying to distinguish that within the children who are coming to the hospital either with COVID or because of COVID. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, I would That's guess the other podcast. That, yeah, there's going to the death rate from COVID is probably it's less than 10 percent is what they you think it's 10 percent. Well, I, I mean, say 25 of that, of that number of the 800,000. Yeah, is 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 what the, what the number was for, Even for some if it time. was 50 percent. I mean, that makes it a totally different ballgame in, in, in how we because. It's less than what you're talking about, heart yeah. disease and et cetera. It still the, is. The, and those issues, the heart disease, smoking, diabetes, all those, they're not going away anytime soon. Those, right. those numbers have stayed, sadly, pretty consistent. We're not, we're no, there's no vaccine to eradicate that. No. no so it's just that, people need to use that, common sense and live healthy. The, the biggest vaccine is is your own Focus and understanding of your health and to get out and make sure and, and get yourself healthy. Yep. You know. All right. So the message is be healthy. Be healthy. <laughs> and just remember that this is a podcast founded on the values of faith, freedom, and free enterprise, which founded this great country. That's right. So thank you for listening. If Take you're care, out there, everybody. stay healthy. God bless. See ya.